After years with the Marquis, I turned myself into Starfleet. I was court-martialed. I was sent to prison again. But due to my history with uh, terrorist groups, I was recruited into Starfleet Intelligence. They put me into an arduous rehabilitation program where I proved myself, worked my way up slowly, again. These are mere facts. That's not what I want to know. So what is it you want to know? Why did you join the enemy? Why did you betray your honor? My honor? And do you mean Starfleet's? Blind faith in any institution does not make one honorable. I'm your host, Notch Carnegie, and with me humming in the turbo lift as we awkwardly stand next to each other is... Adam Bowen. Welcome to Strange New Takes. Today, we'll be sharing a recap of Picard Season 3, Episode 5, Imposters. Follow us on social media at Strange New Takes, where we usually post about new episodes coming out, but also occasionally there are some images I post which show some critical moments that I have theories about. For example... Jack Crusher, what were what were, what did the red in his eyes signify? I have a theory about it, and I posted that to our social media feeds. Also, please tell your friends about our podcast. We love getting strange new listeners from all over the world, and you can help us by telling your friends to to listen in. Also, give us a five star rating on Apple Podcasts because that's super helpful. It makes us feel good, and it puts us a little bit higher when someone looks for a Star Trek podcast to listen to in the results. And before we can get specific about exactly what it was about those red eyes that uh, you're talking about, I need to tell everyone, hey, we might be spoiling this episode. We might be spoiling previous episodes or basically any episode of Star Trek or I don't know we can probably throw some BSG in there. I know we have a reason to talk about BSG a little bit at least. Uh, so and- save you all. Ah, there we go. Uh, so uh, let's just get started on this. Uh, come join us. All right, well, uh, today, as Adam mentioned before, we're talking about this fifth episode of the third season of Star Trek Picard. It's called Imposters. It first aired on the 16th of March, 2023. It was written by Cindy Apple and Chris Derrick. It was directed by Dan Liu. The in-universe date was Stardate 7.8186.03, which translates to 2401. Here's the episode summary from Memory Alpha. Caught by Starfleet and facing court martial paranoia grows as Picard struggles to uncover whether a prodigal crewman from his past has returned as an ally or an enemy hellbent on destroying them all. Again, massive run-on sentence, just like last <laughs> week. Like, this could have been two sentences. Anyway, anyway, I'll send my notes to Memory Alpha. We always start with our strange new takes. And Adam, I'm going to ask you to go first this time, please. Oh, interesting. Okay, so we're we're switching it up. Uh, uh, here's the the twist where it was written as you first in the notes, but now yeah. I am the first one talking. Yes. Uh, right. So for uh, the out of universe uh, uh, bit of strange new takes, I'm I'm certainly not stalling a little bit, but the <laughs> the thing that I'm going to be talking about is um, uh, 
yeah, it's uh, we're going to uh, let's see, we're we're going to yeah. Uh, wow, I I didn't come up with anything <laughs> at the end of that. So uh, I really the, should have given you some time to prepare. I can go first if you want me to. No, I I'm I'm good now. Uh, what okay. I'm going to say is, uh, you know what? Sometimes you get obsessed with a restaurant because it comes up with uh, just like a really tasty meal every single time, and. I think that's totally okay. Uh, it doesn't matter that I have eaten the, even at, eaten at this place uh, probably every single week for the past like four or five weeks. It's good. Uh, so yeah, shout out to Lona's Little Eats. It's good food. Nice. Uh, for the episode, uh, I don't know. I'm starting to I'm starting to wonder. Uh, maybe I'm going to jinx things by even just casually wondering this, like. Is is there not going to be a bad episode this season? Episode seven, six to ten are just the worst hot garbage you've ever seen. <laughs> they just bring like shins on the like the the the, 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 the freaking uh, what is it? What is the, the, those creatures from Threshold? Uh, I know that shins on died, but we also cloned you again with a different set of hair yeah. and. They bring back that lady from Insurrection to, like, have an unrequited love We arc did with get a shout-out to her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they they, they uh, bring back the Irish ghost from that uh, episode oh, of TNG. Yeah. It, let's see. Well, no, I, I, I guess Lower Decks has referenced uh, this the sex ghost. They, uh, they go to the Court of Honor planet again. It's, <laughs> like, all the greatest that, That's the... That's the one that Star Trek. I, I'm pretty sure they will do their very best to never ever reference ever again. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, anyway, well, uh, I'll I'll go next with my strange new takes. First of all, snow is gorgeous when it falls, but there is nothing about melting snow that is good. It either gets slushy or the it's got like full of mud on the like on the on the boulevards when it's melting. So it just looks like that period between like the beautiful cold when the snow is all intact to when it uh to when there's like actual clear roads and everything is grassy again. That that middle period really stinks. And that's where we are in Minnesota. We got this like top eight winner and things are melting and it's just all gross and disgusting Oof. so that's been that's been getting on my case a little bit the the second thing i'll say is that with this episode um you said what i was gonna say so i'll just say that well i have a theory about jack crusher and i think he's a power eight or he's been possessed by a power eight or a power eight is sending him a message everybody online disagrees with me but i i think i've got evidence which i will share soon so let's see huh well all yeah right. i I mean, now you're saying that you're that you will share it, uh, but I I was a a, a diligent follower of the uh, the Instagram page, and I have mm-hmm. I have seen your evidence. Uh, should we talk about it, or do or do we just want to yeah, keep? Yeah, so, so it is the, the first thing that happens in yeah. the episode, right? We, we, yeah. The cold open is Jack shooting a bunch of people and then getting a vision of that he's been getting with those like te- red tentacles covering everything, and then there's a door that opens to some light, which that door opening really shows like. The light place looks kind of like the place that Cisco used to meet the prophets. I'm just saying. And then there's some like, uh, yeah, there's some like quiet words saying "join us" or some something to that effect. And mm-hmm. it sounds like, and you think it was Beverly's voice because that's what the subtitles say. 
Well, and I, then, I, as a true fan, I recognize Beverly's voice. I didn't need any t- subtitles to tell me that it was Beverly. So. You have been obsessed with Gates McFadden from the moment you saw her. And so she's you from St. Louis. Her. So, well, not Gates McFadden. Uh, uh, Beverly Crusher is from St. Louis. Ah, so okay. uh, uh, as a resident of St. Louis, I need to keep up with all my it's, uh, it's... local future uh, Federation officers. Of course you do. Of course you do. So, so the last thing I'll say is that Jack Crusher also has eyes turn red. And there's a little bit of black in the where his pupil is. And that is exactly... There's a little bit of black where my pupil is. I, it's probably brown. What? What do you think? Or is it black? I think pupils are black. It can be black or brown. Oh. Anyway, doesn't matter. We're talking about Jack Crusher's, <laughs> not yours. Uh, Jack Crusher's pupils are black. And if you look at... Gil Dekat in the episode Tears of the Prophet when he releases a power wraith and he's been possessed by one he's got red eyes with black pupils as well so I think this is incontrovertible evidence that it's the conspiracy bugs no I'm kidding it's the power wraiths <laughs> like, it's the freaking power wraiths man I'm telling you this is incredible we're just going full DS9 up in here yeah, I I mean I I I remember thinking about uh like what are the what are the next shows that I should watch and uh was kind of thinking like maybe i just need to watch all of deep space nine i should have started watching right then i should have started watching like two or three episodes a day maybe i would have been able to get to uh an episode that mentions pile rates at least uh mm-hmm. unfortunately i i have not but i have at least uh read through things i i think that the the part that's still not fitting for me completely like uh, certainly I, i'm i'm with you those red eyes like if they're it, like if they are not referencing the paw wraiths i feel like we're we're getting into territory like uh discovery season two where they're like they're like oh you mean when we said like resistance is futile we weren't talking about the borg what are you talking about that was just like it sounded like a cool thing to say at the time uh <laughs> like it, it, it'll be on par with that uh and but it, so if it is the paw wraiths i think we still haven't that, that's not the whole puzzle that we that we've uncovered just by by doing that because i there's there's something else going on with these changelings like i i think if i i guess to to some degree like we we know that uh the the prophets helped end the dominion war by uh destroying the dominion fleet within the wormhole but so therefore like maybe that makes the paw race like pro the dominion uh i'm not sure that there's a whole lot of connections to them in deep space nine specifically but if that's the case, I I don't exactly know what why that pits uh, Jack Crusher against the changelings that we've seen. So th- there's yeah. something else happening here, and I haven't quite been able to piece that together. No, for sure. And and the power rates were sealed in the fire caves at the end of DS9, right? Like that's what yeah. that's what happens when they threw that book into the fire, uh, and Descartes gets killed, and all of this. Like that's that's the plot of the, the finale. And so, they, they but again, there have been, I mean, we saw the Borg in Enterprise, right? There's always ways to write around things. We'll have to judge the plausibility when we get to it, mm-hmm. but we'll see. We'll see. I think, I think also the fact that a Bajoran showed up in this episode is another piece of a yeah. clue, I think, in that. Oh, and th- th- yeah, they, we have seen many. Uh, I mean, she was supposed to be a Deep Space Nine character, uh, and then we we've seen pictures of Odo. We've we've had yeah. The obviously we're we're introducing a whole lot of Deep Space Nine in here. I feel like 
it's it's not just going to be like, oh, we're using changelings and that's like kind of it. There's got to be more that we're pulling out of that. Uh, uh, I, I mean, maybe we can get I, we mentioned it a little, a little bit before here, but uh, uh, before we started recording. But mm-hmm. how how plausible do you feel about a, a Avery Brooks showing up at some point? I mean, the guy like doesn't want to act in stuff, and that's he's, yeah, he's, that's, like, he's fully that's retired, one. right? He's like he's he's like I'm over this stuff. Like I'm done. Like like my life is good as it is. Uh, from all yeah. like all everything we've heard. Yeah. Now, can they do something where they take a green screen to his house and set it up with a piano? And they're like, "Listen, Avery, we don't want you to act. We just want you to sit at this piano like you did in that one documentary, and just sing." And then they yeah. like create dialogue that fits the movements of his mouth, like. <laughs> and then like Jack and Picard, like they're like, "Let's go at the finale, at the very end." They're like, "Let's go to ten forward to live it up as father and son." And then they go in there, and there's a piano, and hey, look who it is! It's the damn emissary, you guys. It's the Cisco. There we it's go, everybody. The Cisco, and he seems to be <laughs> saying some incomprehensible stuff. Well, but uh-huh. it, if it could be a vision from the prophets, they don't always make sense. Exactly. So, uh, it, it could be those little work. screams that Avery they, would they do. They don't even Cisco, have to like, dub ever anything that he's saying. Yeah. Yeah, and then like Jack could like translate. Oh, I understand you perfectly. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Or heck, it could be Jake. Can you? We could bring back Jake Cisco as like maybe he like inherited the emissary powers. There's see, I told you, there's ways to write around this stuff, dude. Yeah, there, there, there we go. I mean, yeah, like I've seen things online of people being like, oh, well, obviously what's happening is that Jack is uh, he had uh, because he's Picard's son, he's half Borg. Uh, and therefore, <laughs> like, that's the explanation for what's going on. Uh, yeah, it's. I hope that mm-hmm. that's not. I, I I mean I mean maybe they can make that cool. I kind of hope that that's not what the twist is. Mm-hmm. That there are secretly nanoprobes uh, in there. Uh, in no, that, we've, uh, we've we've done that the Borg to death. Like, yeah, we're, we're literally in this series, we have done the Borg to death. We don't need that. We just yeah. need the. I I think for 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 me the thing that would that would be interesting to get into. So like sort of jokes aside with 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 Avery Brooks and whatnot is just like we're setting up so much of this stuff with wolf 359 uh and obviously like we we have the the conflict with shaw and with picard i think it it, like it would be interesting at least to i would like to be in a room with shaw picard and cisco uh because like they they all have that sort of like common connection and maybe that would be interesting to be there but maybe part of this is like we have shaw because we we cannot get cisco uh, both for in-universe reasons and out-of-universe reasons uh, into Picard. And that's just, like, kind of where things are. Yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll recast Cisco. I think the Star Trek fan base will handle that with poison. Uh, totally Chris. fine. Yeah, this is just great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but who would you cast as Cisco if you could? Oh, like, my I, God, I know no. we're asking for, like, an impossible <laughs> question, but, like... Uh, I mean, yeah, we, we have, we have done it to, to other people. I mean, I guess we, we've even done it to Kirk. So it's, it's not like this is something that is, um, outside of the realm of possibility, but yeah, I, oof. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think Avery books is also such a singular character and his ability to flow 
with music, kind of a musical mm-hmm. quality in his acting, which we, they've talked about in the DS9 documentary, for example. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I I think Sterling K. Brown comes to mind for me. Just, and that's more, mostly based on his like acting capability more than anything else. He is mm-hmm. such an incredible actor that I think you could put him in that role and like say something like maybe the prophets de-age the emissary or something because he's definitely younger looking than Avery <laughs> uh, so but I mean, TNG has a proud history of putting horrible aging makeup onto people so I I think we we could go for it again <laughs> yeah right um I think you could go, go full like buff Cisco with Idris Elba but that, yeah like, yeah I could I can see that he's in the franchise now like he's he's he was in uh oh yeah yeah well so but the, we, the we never Star really Trek saw it we did we didn't actually get to see his face that, oh no I guess because we saw it in the like old footage from the yeah Enterprise the old era. footage and his file yeah what, what was that movie called Star Trek starts with O right Beyond Beyond Star Trek Beyond yeah the third one um so I don't know um but yeah, that's never gonna happen. I think the fan base would revolt. I think Deep Space Nine fans <laughs> yeah, worldwide please, their heads would just no. explode. <laughs> so anyway, let's move on because we've like talked about the intro now for like two hours. Let's, so so the next thing that happens is basically Shaw gets command of his ship back, and he is immediately incredibly happy that Starfleet are coming to take Picard and Riker away in handcuffs. He's like uh, singing and giddy about it. It's great. Yeah, I, I I did enjoy that. I had the 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 little bit of like, hey, Shaw, you did not watch the episode Conspiracy. That was a very bad idea. Uh, but <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's he's I I love that character. Uh, he is uh uh yeah, totally totally on board with with this uh captain who uh really does not enjoy the presence of uh Picard and Riker. Yeah. Yeah, he's 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 like finally I got my ship back. I can have my like delicious orders and like just go do what I'm supposed to do and like leave behind yeah. all this crap. And well, then and Picard I, runs onto this bridge like we have to run. <laughs> I I also I I like that they didn't um because I I feel like there's a tendency maybe to have you do the you have the characters like sort of do the turnaround and like oh well Picard was right and then they're just like allies of Picard forever at, right. after that and and I I like that we have established that. Like, yes, Shaw will work with them in certain circumstances, but like, no, he is not a fanboy. <laughs> he he also, but but he does like give them some grace where he's like, okay, I'm giving, giving you some time to get your bullshit story together. He's not like yes. immediately like wanting to throw them in the brig. Uh, uh, I also like that he like knights seven as the reinvested <laughs> first officer. It's great. <laughs> Uh, he's just having the time of his life it's fantastic absolutely um okay so so very quickly though the intrepid the uss intrepid shows up which wasn't the uss intrepid an intrepid class vessel i guess not uh now in in well i mean it it probably was in the in the 23 late 2360s and early 2370s or something it's possible that it was a um like an experimental ship that didn't I'm trying to, th- I think that there was an intrepid, I think that there was a tr- an intrepid in TNG. I don't remember what happened to it, uh, but yeah, so I, like, I, I assume, because there, like, there was a USS Constitution, and there's the Constitution class. I feel like they're usually, like, usually the ship by that name is actually a class of that ship. Um, 
Yeah. So so there there's the named ship, right? So turns out there have been many, many intrepids. Uh the one that we are talking about in Star Trek Picard is a Duderstadt class vessel. Oh. Um, is that like a Star Trek online thing? This is a memory well, I don't know where so the, the name of the class was provided on twitter by dave blass who also emphatically confirmed that it was named after dorothy duder the in 2022 deceased wife of doug's drexler uh and doug drexler co-designed the class doug drexler is a, oh okay uh he, he's been creating and contributing to numerous star trek productions so actually that's a that's a very poignant thing i'm really well oh that's that's actually kind of nice that they they give give they that tribute. Um, well, but there have also been other intrepids, as you mentioned. There has been one NCC three eight nine zero seven that's been talked about in TNG. Um, there was an intrepid type starship in service with Starfleet in the mid twenty second century. Uh, that gets and the, there's a scene where it gets crippled by the Zindi in an alternate timeline. There's an intrepid seven four six zero zero in Voyager, TNG, and Nemesis. There's a USS Intrepid that shows up NCC one six three one in TOS. So we've had a bunch of intrepids. Let's just put it that way. So basically, yeah. the guy, when they were like, "Yo, we need a ship name," and they were like, "Intrepid, let's go with it." It's a, it's a, it's a, it's it's a greatest hits collection starship name. Let's just roll with that. Yeah, because it it seems like um I guess it was an Excelsior uh uh in the the mid twenty fourth century. So yeah, it, it's it has been all sorts of things. So maybe that maybe that one that was right before this was an intrepid class, and this is sort of the the latest thing, which obviously is not attempting to um, fit into uh the intrepid class look or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um. I, I did I did enjoy I I mean I, I think maybe this is a Terry Metalis thing or whatever. It's Picard season three has understood that I want every time you introduce a new ship, I want to look at that thing from like every dang angle. Uh, like the we, it warps in, we get to compare its size to the uh to the Neo Constitution class. We get to see like ooh look at that what's this thing on the back of it that's uh, mm-hmm. kind of looks like a mm-hmm. deflector dish and mm-hmm. uh and all that. We we see that it has kind of like a the this um the saucer section kind of looks more like an Akira class kind of shape uh or at least design uh 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 sort of philosophy to me. Um but yeah, it's a uh beautiful ship. Uh and I I like how it it kind of has a um it's almost like a, a kit bash feel because like obviously it's using the same uh uh nacelles, but also kit bash probably doesn't exactly save quite the money that it that it did uh back in the day uh with well, the computer generated I mean, models and whatnot. But Yeah but but it makes sense from a Starfleet standpoint, right? Like mm-hmm. that, that you don't have to completely redesign a, a ship. Mm-hmm. You can have some pieces that are from other starships that you can you can maybe you don't need to retool the entire production line mm-hmm. so it makes sense from a starfleet standpoint believability standpoint that we have this so now the intrepid shows up and your hackles are immediately up that they're coming over on a shuttle what yeah. what's happening there and our our heroes go down the turbolift lift to meet them and it's freaking roll Aaron, dude what the hell? Yeah, but uh, now she's bringing that uh, big uh, uh, Admiral Kane energy uh, into the show, 
and uh, she is intimidating. <laughs> Dude, that was some freaking, like, she was just like a force of energy on the screen. Like, from the moment she showed up, she just had that huge scowl, and you were like, your your like happiness to see her is like what's she gonna do is she gonna like is she bad like is she changing like, what's happening and it was just I mean we've had like no um clue that this was gonna happen right there was no like leak or anything at least that I've ever seen that Roll Aaron was gonna be on our show yeah like I I saw people speculating just because I I think there had but it, it was one of those things where I think people were more reaching for like who would be a cool person to see that we saw before or that like we never kind of learned what happened to their thread. Uh, but I, I don't think I saw any uh, any mentions of her that were actually tied to like, oh, this person like leaked that blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, yeah, it, it's uh, it was a, a great reveal getting to, to see her walking down the uh, the ship. And, and, and honestly, like uh, I I thought it was a really effective use at bringing back a character. It wasn't just to like drop some, some storyline type stuff in, in there. Like this was someone who has a deep connection to Picard. And I, I really appreciated that we got to explore that really intensely this episode. So so several things right there, which I think number one, I think you've touched on. It's not just a, a a cameo for the sake of a cameo. It's actually like having, it drives the plot forward. Yeah. By having her specifically. Then, also from a fan standpoint, we've always wondered what happened to Ro, right? Ro was supposed to be Kira in yeah, yeah. DS9. And then we've, we never got to close the loop after the Maquis were just, like, done uh, yeah. as, as a plot point in, in the Star Trek franchise. We never really got to close. What happened to, like, our favorite people who were in the Maquis and presumably in the revolution like did they all die like now we know what happened to rose she tells mm-hmm. us like what what her path is in this which i think and as much as i hated seeing her die in this episode i think it also kind of gave her the a really heroic exit which her character has always been like this tragic figure right like yeah who could never get things quite right who wanted her life to have some meaning and she th- what more like this was a very meaningful end to her story it's incredible yeah well, and, and the, I, I think, yeah, like helping highlight that point is like that that moment where we see uh, Picard like close his eyes and open them again and just say, like, I, I see you and like, I'm sorry, it's just now. And it's just, uh, yeah, it, it was uh, an, an incredible exit for for a great character. And I, and I so, think like kind of an aside, like we've talked mm-hmm. about, like, uh, I think we had talked about um uh, the actress who might have been, uh, or who was Janeway, I guess, for like two days uh, before uh, switching around. Bujold. Yeah, uh, it, it, like uh, it is extremely clear to me that uh, uh, if Ro Laren had been in Deep Space Nine, it would have worked. <laughs> like uh, Na Visitor is incredible as Kira, like great character, all, all of that. But it's just like th- th- this was not a uh, this this was uh, a an actor not wanting to continue working uh, with the franchise, not that uh, uh, she would not have sort of been up to the task or something like that. Cause if uh, I recall correctly, wasn't yeah. she like in some other projects at the time or something? Yeah. Could, I, like, I think it, it was basically I think, not so, available. So what, what I'll say about this is I think it would have been a very different Kira. Cause I think Roro Laren is, has very different motivations. Whereas Kira yes. is like a terrorist from birth. Like she's been fighting all her life. Roro is it like a traitor, right? Like she's, mm-hmm. uh, and and I'm glad they picked up on the personal betrayal from Picard because we didn't get that any of that in TNG, right? Like we, we got it at the end of that episode, but then Picard doesn't talk about her much 
in the future. And so yeah, it's also which... nice from the Picard standpoint to see him reflect on his life more. Yeah. Well, and actually uh, something that I, I think is kind of interesting is it's almost like they are, because obviously TNG was structured the way it was just because that's how you did television back then. But the, like Picard, the series is kind of almost turning that episodic nature of TNG into a character trait of Picard. Like the reason that he doesn't talk about the impact that some of these characters had on him, like in later episodes is because like, he doesn't deal with that shit himself. Uh, he does not uh, sort of talk to people about it constantly. He sort of uh, like puts on that stoic face and then hides it away for 30 years and then learns Bajoran just so that he can have a satisfying fight with that person or something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. and it's uh so I, I i'm just uh and and, and i i will give it to the writers of picard i think they have this is the one thing that they have done consistently through the entire series yeah. is that uh we have done interesting things with picard's character and have um sort of uh pulled out these uh new things that we can learn about him uh and whatnot okay i want to pause on that topic for a moment and this is going to be a long episode i'm sorry adam but it's just the for two sure. of us so i think it's okay um i saw some comments online that's talked about how season three is what all of picard should have been and i think i have defended picard maybe more than most people especially the first part of season two i thought season one was like eh, especially the end but like season two i yeah. really did enjoy the first part of it mm -hmm. second part eh, not so great but then some of the very end i i thought it was okay mm -hmm. but i think the people are right in this regard it really is the kind I, I did I always disagreed when people said it should just be TNG season eight. I mm. always disagreed when people begged for fan service because I don't think yeah. I don't think it's quite not quite as satisfying when it's just like, and look here, there's another guest star for five seconds to come in and yeah. salute the Admiral and walk away. That's that's not that's not a that's not good television. Mm -hmm. However, in this show so far, we're integrating our characters, the guest stars, the references, mostly quite elegantly. I think Shaw's reading off of what happened in TNG in the movies is a little like on the gray area for me. A little bit on the gray area, but at the same time, Maybe okay. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. It's, he he it's earned fine. it in the previous episode. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. I can believe he went back and stewed and read everything that's happened to watched, Picard and Watched his direction and yeah. Yeah, exactly. He was just there like, it, it was, it was, so... But the fact that they brought the way that they're bringing back these characters and integrating them with multiple, like they, it drives the plot forward in multiple yeah. ways. I, I completely agree. This is what season one and two should have been a reckoning of Picard's life and yes. his, his, like having him reminisce, seeing the consequences of who he is and having to deal with the, 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 the elements of his life that will never, the doors that weren't opened the yeah. the events that were never we never the the ribbon wasn't tied on the present or whatever i know i'm struggling for metaphors right now but uh with, like with Rora laren i i can completely believe that he spent 30 years feeling completely betrayed by her and needed this yeah. in his life to get over it right yeah yeah and, and and i i i think i'm i'm with you there i i i think the 
maybe the maybe the one piece I would regret out of sort of like just going into like uh uh Picard season three or 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 whatever, like if that was the only thing that was uh this the Picard series. I I do think it was really interesting that we got to see such a dramatic change of like whoa, Picard is old right now. Uh, yeah. and like it like it season one had like very much showed us like oh this is not like uh this isn't even like uh getting in the argo and like going in a a a, a uh uh driving a cart and like sh- shooting at people or, or whatever like he he is helpless in a lot of ways uh and, and i think that was that's at least interesting to learn about the character um i but I, I I think I, I agree with you that there there is there are ways for us to um, learn much more about the character and have meaningful cameos and whatnot. And maybe we didn't need to sort of like completely disconnect this from uh, everything else in the way that uh, season one and season two were trying to do. Yeah, I, 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 I have a I, I have a side hope uh, that season three can do, which is. Maybe uh, we can redeem a little bit of um, what uh, what has frustrated Emily about with uh, sort of how the Federation comes across is uh, especially in season one mm-hmm. is maybe maybe it was the conspiracy either either the conspiracy bugs or the changelings yeah. maybe they were helped destroy Romulus and whatnot and it's just like the rot in the Federation has been that and maybe this will sort of expose that at the end of this series I don't know I, I feel bad taking up this topic when Emily's not here because I'm, yeah. I'm gonna give my view and she's not here to share hers and I think Rudy also would actually be someone to include in this conversation because Rudy's issue has been uh, sorry, Rudy, if we're doing a bad job of summarizing what you think, but he really wants Starfleet to be more professional, right? He's always chafed mm-hmm. when Starfleet officers are doing crazy things in Discovery anywhere. Yeah. And Emily, in some ways, it's kind of a parallel argument, right? Like where if if she chafes against how we're not getting this utopian vision of Starfleet, how Star- well, the universe, but mm-hmm. of Starfleet as well, how Starfleet is bad and not a force for good. They're really kind of parallel tracks. We're an organization that's kind of buttoned up and, and professional. Mm-hmm. Also, you would, you would portray them probably as good for the most part. I think I welcome the complexity on my side where... And I don't think it's necessarily new, right? We had bad morals all the way down in TNG. Absolutely, like, we did. <laughs> We never really got to see too many other ships. To to the point where it was like exciting and new when like Star Trek 2009 had like good captains of other ships. <laughs> Things right. like but, that. But, but even even we, we never got to see much of Starfleet, right? Like we never got yeah. to see too many other ships. And what this show and the others have done is they've even Discovery having two main ships with the Shenzo and then the Discovery. I was like, oh, what? We're getting more ships than just the one? Incredible. Um, So we're getting a broader view of what the rest of Starfleet looks like. And the view we're Mm -hmm. getting is that it's not all Enterprise and Voyager and Deep Space Nine and Defiant, right? Like those are, we've, our show is focused on the exceptional. Mm -hmm. There are the Edwards out there, right? Mm. There are the Equinoxes. There are these other ships, which we, as viewers, we always saw those as the exceptions. Yeah. But, and and it's, it's maybe it's not one or the other, right? It's something in mm-hmm. between. 
but I I welcome that complexity because it, it's more reflective of real life. For me, it's a little easier to suspend my disbelief than if they were like, all of us are two Picards. We're yeah, all... yeah, we're, we're all Gene Roddenberry's vision in absolutely every way. And yeah. And and I'm also willing to believe that maybe there was an age where that was true. So you look at you look at Roman history, right? Mm-hmm. And there's this like this is not true Roman history, by the way. This is the, the fantasized version where the Republic mm-hmm. was perfect. The em- early empire was there was a war. Then the early empire was perfection itself under Augustus, and then it was a slow decline of like mediocrity and evil. Mm-hmm. And so maybe we can say that like there were some a couple of hundred years where everything was great, but. I think it's human nature and the ebbs and flows of history that institutions grow, prosper, and then fail. And it's up to heroes to come about to raise them back up. Mm-hmm. And I, and this is just to finish this with one more tangent, because why not while I'm on the soapbox <laughs> here? This is why I freaking get so mad at Discovery. They, they, they aren't giving us that, that prosperity kind of like how do we raise the federation back up after the burn we're not getting that like holistic Mm. view where it's such a great opportunity to show how you build a utopia right like how do you how do you take something that has fallen apart and regrow it and instead we got the dma and and that's that's where i think like the the thread here is for me is that's what terry metallis is doing please dude do it yeah, I, I I think those are those are all fair points. I I think for for me a lot of the the frustration it, it's maybe in a kind of a different direction than uh uh than Emily or Rudy in in frustrations with sort of like the the way that the Federation or or Starfleet is pr- portrayed uh at least in like what like mid to late 2380s is I it it what happens in the, in the lore and admittedly, a lot of this is sort of like book lore. It's just like the, this very one-dimensional tragedy of like the Romulan Star Empire just like destroying itself on purpose, and uh, sort of uh, the the Federation like helping hold their hold the Romulan Star Empire's like head under the water while they drown. And it's it, it's just like it, it, in some ways it like it, it ends up being like uh, simplistic, but also distasteful for no reason. And uh, it's i think that that's kind of like more my my frustration like i'm i'm like sad to to see what happens when lower decks and prodigy end because we're just gonna like that's just then the the dark shitty period of starfleet history that like we'll never get a show about and then we'll kind of uh either do things in the 25th century or uh uh 23rd or uh 32nd and that's kind of it yeah well, we've spent a long time on this topic, so as much as I want to jump in and respond, I will control myself. Uh, <laughs> hope you don't mind. Um, let's take a break. Um, we'll we'll come back and start discussing more of this episode, which I think, by the way, this episode is so contrasted with the other one, where the other one like packed like 700 things into it. This one had just like a few events, but there's a lot to talk about with them. So Yeah, right, absolutely. Yeah, let's take a break. We'll talk about the rest when we get back. Okay, let's do it. Never imagined a Vulcan being dumb enough to become a gangster. There could be no utopia without crime. Ergo, an organized criminal enterprise is logical. Welcome back to Strange New Takes, where we have discovered that there are two hosts on this show and no co-hosts. 
like how that happened <laughs> uh well anyway since we will go over today i will i'll keep us moving along so first of all let's talk about the changeling de- change so a lot of people in yeah. the last episode were wondering like well why didn't that change in liquefy when it got shot the the fake laforge yeah like what happened here and turns out that the changelings have quote unquote evolved to now where they can maintain their shape and unless uh, a part of them is subjected to extreme trauma it doesn't devolve like doesn't become goo so they can pass completely as humans with blood but no yeah. dna which which then got me a little bit weird like they can stand they said with no dna and then said can pass the standard blood test and it's like what but I, I will I'll, I'll ignore that that little maybe that's that's all we kind of do in the in that test. And, I and there is, is really small. <laughs> there is now a standard test as well. Ever since the Dominion War Seven reveals yeah. that there has been a standard test of some sort for everybody beaming on the ship. So it shouldn't have been possible for that changeling who was on the ship to be there. Yeah, which, which at least well, it's it's interesting because they uh, they have they brought up that idea of like well why would you infiltrate the the transporter officer? And at least like my initial assumption is like, Oh, that's the person who's transporting everyone in and out could like hide the signatures. But it seems like the transporter is actually incapable of distinguishing uh, changelings and, and humans, right. which is, uh, which is really interesting that, um, uh, that that's, that's sort of the, the development. I well, also uh, in, in DS nine, we had a few changelings, that were in the Alpha Quadrant, and they were, like, wrecking havoc. So now, when you have a whole bunch of them, and they can, like, take any form they want, yeah, and there's no way to detect them, now we're getting into, like, the true meaty fears of everybody in DS9. Like, this is... The the stuff people in DS9 were afraid of, it's happening now. Yeah, and... It, well, yeah, I mean, even as you're saying, like just a few changelings, like we had at least uh, at least five have been on just these two ships. Uh, and uh, certainly we have uh, uh, a feeling that there are uh, have, I think she had said that there is like 12 separate incidents uh, mm-hmm. that have been uh, notable on different starships with uh, with changelings. I don't know if that was like officially changelings were part of it or that she is sort of inferring details that were left out of reports, but um, that is a lot of uh, a lot of people infiltrating. She thinks a lot of imposters, if you will. At every level of Starfleet command, they exist. Yeah, which, by the way, like if if the uh, uh, if there are no conspiracy bugs, they are, they are at least like wanting us to like think about conspiracy the whole time. At at the very least, like this is the changelings doing the conspiracy thing. Uh, yeah. Because I feel like there's so many lines that are, if they're not literally pulled from that episode, it, it's like the delivered in like the same kind of way or or whatnot. It's it just mm-hmm. like every time, like I uh, like every episode has like the proof that it's not the this conspiracy bugs, but then so many references to them that I'm like, well, but maybe it is. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I wouldn't mind an entire season dealing with conspiracy bugs at some point. Like they were a compelling enemy. Like it was handled kind of comically with the worms and the like, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. the gory stuff at the end. But it's a really scary prospect, right? To have yeah. like insidious like takeovers of your brain and you can't trust anybody. It's really cool. So um, 
loved the the vibe we're going for with the paranoia and the fear mm-hmm. and the you can't trust anyone. And I loved how they wove that into the role Picard dynamic. We've talked about how the two yeah. of them have, have very intense emotions, but I remember the middle of the episode was like, oh, fuck, is the role not real? Like, what? I don't know. And then she like guts herself. I'm like, but the blood, you can't tell. And then it's, yeah, you know, yeah. Picard gets the message. It's such good pacing. It's great. Oh, it it, it really is. And, and it's, uh, I mean, yeah, th- this this episode was definitely showing off the like we c- we can keep track of both A and B plot, and we can make like the the even like the exact structuring of where they are in the episode is relevant. Uh, so yeah, we can we can uh, uh, undermine her attempt to prove to Picard that she's like not a changeling at every moment. And I I just thought uh, I mean kind of connected to what we were talking about before. It's just like I w- I was so impressed that we were able to weave in the uh sort of interactions of these two characters like the what could have just been a dumb cameo from like mm-hmm. a, a a uh someone who was on tng and turn it into like this really suspense suspenseful moment where they're both trying to figure out if they are uh actually humans or not human uh, human in a bajoran and not changelings and uh I just I, I I thought it it was a a really great use of um sort of getting the uh uh getting some of like that lore and storyline type stuff out of the way while getting the character pieces pieces in but also driving the plot forward at the same time it was just lots of great moments of tension and uh uh coming to a head in in ten forward I I thought was really great it's it's the sadness that tells them that they're both actual yeah. humans and it ties back so beautifully to the thing that Shaw was talking about in the previous episode with Seven where he says like the way that you tell is how some that there's only something they would know yeah and in this case it's how the two of them feel about each other's yeah ah. oof oof see this is in the pale moonlight shit is all I'm gonna say oh okay. absolutely it is absolutely uh, I, yeah <laughs> cut to the chase at the end here for a second but yeah um and then Ro leaves. And again, the, the, the act of her handing her earring to Picard is filled with so much emotion there where it signifies yeah. so much stuff. It's like she wears that to signify her bond to her family and she gives that to Picard at the end. And so there's that deep emotional meaning. But then it's a data chip that has all the records of her investigation as well. Um, yeah. Really cool. It's 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 a very multi-layered presence of this character. And I think I think usually you'd say that just having one guest character driving the plot forward, it's a little weird and might not work, but in this case I think it really did hit the mark exactly to what we needed. Um Yeah, it and it, it's it's kinda hard to uh Im- imagine like a, a, a different character that we might have used that would have been a, a sort of like a also someone who's there for a few episodes. Like th- this was just a, a perfect use of of that character. What would so we, we've I think we've talked a ton about Rona. We better move on because otherwise we're never going to get Fair anywhere. Enough. But um, what do you think about the Warfare and Raffi plot in this, where they're basically sparring one another and then go after this Vulcan criminal Kryn or Kirin? Is it Kirin or Kryn? I need to look it's, up. It's Kryn. Uh, it's Kryn. I, I mean, it's the beer anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I thought it was, it was interesting. Cause, uh, 
yeah they they start off with like sparring and then they have like a sort of a meditation like he's like starts meditating and whatever and it's like uh i've 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 seen this scene before or like like i i've i've seen this uh in in other shows even and 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 whatnot so i uh i i wasn't quite as as into it at at that point but uh we like that all of that stuff was clearly placed just so that we could uh kind of bring things back like later on when he let what wharf like fakes his own death or, or whatnot but uh i i will say like uh I don't know that I had ever really considered the idea of like uh, uh, a gangster Klingon or a gangster uh, uh, Vulcan. And that was incredible seeing a guy show up with his his itic on like a heavy chain around it around his neck. And but just like seeing a seeing how a Vulcan can apply logic into being sort of that menacing Mm -hmm. uh, menacing presence was really interesting i i we're i don't know i i feel like we're so uh i i suppose we we had like the logic extremists and stuff like that in in enterprise and in discovery but it's it just feels like uh that was a a nice bit of um like world building that and an exploration of like vulcan culture that we got that uh yeah, I, I'm just I'm impressed that they were able to kind of weave that into this this storyline, and I, so I I love getting to meet that character. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a very very unique take on volcanism, and I think that's I, I really loved it. I also got taken by surprise by the whole Wharf is alive thing. It was a little Deus Ex Machina, like I have learned the Kalis technique or whatever. Like it's. <laughs> Okay, also, I'll the, give it the, to you, the, bro. The, the the minus on world building is like there's still no other Klingon than Kalis in, in Klingon history. Like yeah. <laughs> Vulcans have all sorts of random Vulcans th- throughout their history, and Klingons only have Kalis. Uh huh. And we'll we'll give it to them um, that 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 they had to invent something to to make to move the plot forward. Here. That's fine. I'll move on. It was fun. It was fun to see that they they were on top of it all along. So basically, they're positioning Worf and Rafi as really unbelievably cool operatives. Yeah. Um, and well, I, I, I think it it was one of those things where like I I was almost okay with it. I mean, I was a little bit worried about it because I just assumed they were going to do another like, oh, Klingons have two hearts, uh, Klingons mm. have two livers, kind of kind of thing. Because like we we've done that like probably multiple times with 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 uh wharf uh and with other klingons that 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 we've done and so like that would have been all right uh but so i I was at least impressed with that they if they were going to deus ex machina at least they set it up a little bit earlier on in the episode (laughs) they did they did another thing i think they did really well in this episode was finally making the link between wharf and raffi and picard and Riker. like i think this this episode that bridged and they used roll again for that yeah, a, yeah, you know, du- like double use. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and I I think the pacing on the reveal was really cool, and I really just even when he flashed up on the screen, he's like, oh, Admiral Picard or whatever. It was just, it was beautiful. It was beautifully done. 
Uh, and so, and the, yeah. the thing that I'm excited about is like probably we won't have uh, any more of those dumb like me texting Starfleet intelligence and then th- them just being like denied. Like, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure that I'm super into those scenes. So no. now that now that they actually get to see Picard and Riker's face, maybe we just don't have to have that scene anymore this season. No, no, exactly. I think I think the other thing that I'll say about this is that we are now, I think, going to go to Daystrom Station. So I have a hunch about how we get Jordy. The other thing is, so they talk about how they have an AI in charge of security there. And I'm wondering if that's Lauren Moriarty. Yeah, and like th- th- there was a specific mention of like that there- there's something illogical or-, or not logical about the that AI. And yeah, I, f- I feel like that has to be some sort of thing where, yeah, we're, we're using either Laura Moriarty to be part of it. Uh, I hadn't, hadn't thought about them, about it, like maybe being both of them or, or whatnot, but yeah, they're, they're, I feel like that's gotta be the connection. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, ex- I'm excited to see what it is that they're going to be doing with those two characters. I, yeah. I, I do think that like for, for how much I've been excited about this season, maybe this is the part where we start getting into dangerous territory of like, <laughs> the storyline turning dumb if we just like have a really really weird uh uh explanation of like exactly what it is that that lower moriarty are are doing in this season um but uh i don't know i'm i'm exci- i'm a, i'm excited to see lore and see what see what's going on like i I, th- I feel like we've done interesting things with every other character so far like something has got to be cool about what's coming next I, I I I trust the writers with lore. I think I it feels like maybe they're gonna go for some redemption, um, with lore, just based yeah, on everything I've seen. And yeah, I like the, certainly the promo videos. It uh, I don't see like lore looking evil and having betrayed everybody. It looks like he's like he, happily with people. I I think he Jordy's looks a he looks grumpy in his character card. Like he yes. looks very angry in that. So. But he is wearing, I think, what looked like a Starfleet uniform. So it's yeah. going to be kind of interesting to see. I, yeah, I, I am excited about that part. And the final thing that we haven't talked about here is now how Picard and Riker burst onto the bridge and demand that Shaw runs away. And he just looks crestfallen. He's like, no, you guys, I thought we were done with this. You were going to face wonderful. the music. <laughs> yeah exactly and then to his credit he believes them yeah and and th- there's that beautiful shot of the intrepid coming up to shoot like line oh up oh my god shot. that's so that's so scary looking and such a cool shot <laughs> there's also the idea i was i was really not excited for more changelings on board the uh um titan i'll be honest with you so when those two security officers like beamed on board i was like oh no i don't want this to be like the next three episodes like chasing down so but so the fact that they handled that very quickly was amazing and apparently jack crusher is jason Bourne. (laughs) (laughs) his past flashes in front of his eyes and he's like i know kung fu (laughs) well his his mom is from st louis and maybe uh, Jack Crusher will be just like Jameson born and born in Nixon, Missouri. There you uh, go. So yeah, it, 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 it could happen. That could be the explanation. I, uh, I think that, um, I, I, I think that that was a cool bit of, um, 
sort of explanation of what Rose's strategy was uh, when she she mentions at the end, like, I've left you with the skeleton crew. I've taken most of the people over onto the Intrepid, uh, kind of essentially eliminating the variables of like, uh, there are only so many in changelings that can be on the Titan now. And so, uh, yeah, maybe there, maybe I haven't taken care of all of them, but in all likelihood, I might only have left you like with with one or two of them and then you can kind of root them out and continue running and be confident that you don't have to like keep an eye on 300 people uh, mm -hmm. on the ship. So I, I, I thought that was a cool um, uh, a cool bit of like strategy reveal that we had there. And then, yeah, like you, I'm I am hopeful that that those four were the changelings that were on the ship. And now we can kind of move on to other aspects of like uniting with the crew that we know and then sort of uh, figuring out how to root out the changelings elsewhere in the uh, Starfleet. And Jack Crusher sees that like red door after he takes out those. So, so we finally yeah. get like a little bit more of his vision than we've seen in the past with the door that he has to open and walk through. And also I was very pleasantly surprised that he just comes out and talks to his mom about it. It's not like, you know, him yeah, holding yeah. the secret in for another four episodes and we find out only in the finale. It's now revealed. Yeah, which we, I mean, we've been seeing that consistently every single episode. I, th I think the only thing that we have been dragging our feet on a little bit is like, what's going on with Daystrom Station? Uh, and that's, uh, I, I, I can see how we, uh, especially if we're setting it up that like Daystrom Station is so hard to get into that like they had, she Roe had to deny them access to, to Daystrom Station because she there's no way that she would have been able to sort of get past the systems herself. So they need to sort of have, uh, connect the dots on like how they actually get there. Uh, but for, in every other instance, this show has consistently like set up a question and answered it immediately like the next episode. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I was glad that it, it's not like a, yeah, he's going to just like keep going. Well, I mean, he might still get, go crazy and whatnot, but we at least are going to be watching him a little bit closer and the other characters are aware of something happening. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, I cannot wait until the next episode. It's so it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, this is, this is a good show, man. It's incredible. This really is. Um, let's, let's go into strange new ratings. I don't think either of us are going to stick our necks out much. I'll just go first and say 10 out of 10. Like this is, this is, peak Star Trek, which is so weird for an episode that has so little going on in it. Um, yeah. It's incredible. No, I, I, absolutely. A hundred percent. This is, uh, this is one of the best show, one of the best episodes they've ever done. And so yeah, 10 on a 10 for me as well. All right. Well, Adam, glad we could get together and geek out together for an hour. Um, yeah, same. This is great. And uh, I, we, we did, I don't think we embarrassed Emily at any point during this episode. So I'm, I'm, so. Pr I'm proud of us as well. Yeah, I think we have grown as people. Just as all of our char favorite characters have grown as characters, we have also, we have shown character development on this podcast. There we go. There we go. All right. Well, Emily, Adam, <laughs> today's just not my day. <laughs> well, Emily, Bill, and Rudy, I hope y'all are having a great day wherever y'all are, whatever it is y'all are doing. I hope it's a great time. Thanks to your listener for making us a part of your listening rotation this week. We always appreciate having you uh, plug us into your ears. And thank you, Justin Gua, for recording our theme music. We are forever grateful that you recorded the Klingon theme for us on guitar. 
And uh, finally, special thanks this week to the unnamed captain of the Intrepid. If you weren't so subtle and weren't like immediately trying to frame the Titan, maybe they wouldn't have zoomed off and started running, but because you like jumped the gun a bit, now we have the plot moving forward. So we really appreciate you for that. All right, everybody. See you next week. Goodbye. Bye.